dudes and lady dudes. This is Tyler. This is Danny. And we're here with episode 93 of Fried Squirms, and we're going to talk about Terrifier, which is awesome. I did not realize it was set on Halloween, and we're doing this. This is just coming out right after our Halloween episode, so we're kind of keeping the season alive. We certainly are. Fuck you, Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no shit, right? But coming off the heels of our Halloween episode, it is two days before Halloween for us here in the studio. Yeah, so that's... It's still very, very seasonal for us. It really is. So for us, and for those who are listening after the fact, this is our Halloween week. It is. And once again, like my work schedule and life schedule doesn't line up in a way where I'm going to be able to make the most out of the holiday. Yeah, that's understandable. I have Uh, to work as well. And so I'm probably just going to hang out watching films at night. I mean, I did something that sunk all hopes of watching a lot of extra horror movies. And I bought Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So, like, that ate up eight hours of yesterday alone. Oh, yeah, those games will do it. However, I am only two episodes away from the end of Castlevania. Nice. Yeah, I told you I'd watched two episodes of Sabrina, so I'm at least that far in. See, that's what I'm actually planning. So, since I will not have time to do my normal, like, Halloween movie marathon that I try to do whenever I have time, which I don't think I got to do it last year either. Anyway... Whatever, maybe next year I'll just take time off around Halloween. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Anyway, my Halloween treat to myself this year will be starting to watch Sabrina. Nice, dude. Yeah, I think you'll have a good time with that. So I'm just going to hold it off till then. I'll probably finish Castlevania with dinner tonight. Nice. Maybe talk a little bit about it next week. That'd be fun. I think I'll be able to at least catch a few episodes between now and then. It's a quick one. It's only eight episodes and the episodes are only 30 minutes. So Yeah, I should be able to speed right through those super worth it so far we'll see and then yeah like i said i'll treat myself to a little bit of sabrina yeah i'll play a little bit more video games all my nerdy shows are back on like i keep lamenting because <laughs> i feel like my free time is it's lazy and restful but i almost feel like i have homework like yeah i mean i know what you mean there's so much stuff that's coming out that and i enjoy it all. starts to shrink a little bit it's all stories that i want to hear but i want to hear them so bad that i have to fit them into my schedule and it's just making everything feel tight when it really isn't it's still yeah, just me sitting on my fucking couch but it's understandable man there's some time you know all of us want to just relax and do some of the you know lazy shit and then there's all this stuff movie wise show wise music wise all that shit's packed in so you know the fun thing is is we'll eventually get to all of it it's just a matter of time yeah yeah, I'm definitely still going to eventually get to all of it. I'm probably going to get to it faster than I'm making it sound right now, too. Yeah, but it's okay. I mean, all that stuff's still kind of fresh. I really don't do much in my free time, so I do have the chance to pound out a lot of media. Pound away, baby. Keep pounding. <laughs> Hashtag. But no, outside of that, watching a little bit of football, finish editing, you know, talking to a few people here and there about certain films and trips and all that good shit. As far as some of the news of the week, there's some really cool stuff to share this week. I didn't look at anything. I looked at a few things before I came over. There's a couple of things I think are definitely worth checking out. So I'll start off with the lead story, I suppose. And from what I understand is May director, Lucky McKee, this is a pretty interesting guy. I like him a lot. He uses Angela Betts a lot in his films. And he's done, a, I think, an episode or two of Masters of Horror. But his next movie is called Kindred Spirits, and it's starring Thor Birch. And for those who are familiar with Thor Birch, we've talked about Hocus Pocus, I don't know how many times on this show, and I liked her a lot in Ghost World. She's a good actress. That's coming out pretty soon. There's some interesting characters in this as well. I think Malcolm Blair from Green Room and Caitlin Stacy from Fear Incorporated are going to be in this as well. So for those who are fans of Lucky McKee, check that one out. 
I did see that creator James DeMonaco teases a plan to end the Purge franchise with the next installment. So, sounds like we're going to get another film. And then people will be happy that when we cover that film, because we covered the rest, yeah, I so know. it only makes sense to, then we'll be done. Well, speaking of shows, since we were doing that <laughs> earlier, I still haven't watched any of I still this, watched the, the series either. I also haven't heard anything about the show. I haven't heard I haven't anything either, good or bad about the show. Not that it's not on our radar. It's just one of those after covering it for about a month. You just need a little break from it. You know? That's right. So that's kind like of what that. I've been doing I, with Man, it. I like The Purge, but you're right. We hit it hard. It's that was like of, Hannibal. Yeah, I like, like Hannibal, love Hannibal, but sometimes you need a little break after you do a month worth of notes and talking and all that good stuff. And I think some of our listeners would agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We know of one for sure. At least one. All right. Now, we've talked about this gentleman several times, but Fetty Alvarez, he still plans on directing that Labyrinth sequel, and the script is complete. Oh, don't. So, yeah, you know, for people who are fans of The Labyrinth, Jennifer Conley once again. This is almost two months going I'm talking about her. <laughs> you know, you get David Bowie, unfortunately, of course, who's passed. But, I mean, that film is classic. Mm-hmm. It's one from childhood, probably from both of ours. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so, you know, Fetty Alvarez, I would say at least do Evil Dead 2, and then maybe do your Labyrinth sequel <laughs> in that order. Give us Evil Dead 2. Give us Your Army of Darkness. That would be dope, wouldn't it? Mia's Army of Darkness. (laughs) Man, you never know, dude. I'm okay with that. This one might hit home a little bit for you, but I did see that Spike Lee is no longer directing Marvel's Nightwatch. Oh, I think I forgot that he was even attached to that. Yep. So. Oh, well. Yeah, he's out. I'm worried about it. They confirmed Ryan Coogler is back for Black Panther 2. That's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> that nice. seems like a no-brainer, but who fucking knows sometimes. So ah. I'm glad that that was all confirmed. So Well, there you go. So Another thing I've got, it. this involves Blu-rays. And if you're in the UK, this one will be a little bit more pertinent to you. But there are two Italian classics. One of them we have reviewed, and that's Ario Argento's opera. In the case of the Bloody Iris, both of those are getting Blu-ray releases, and the company is Shameless. And Shameless has put out some really dope films, mostly Region B, so for us here in the States and North America in general, it'll be a little bit harder to play because all our shit's at the Region A. Mm-hmm. But if you got a universal player, this one might be a good home for you. Now, I have seen both of these films. Of course, we've covered the former, The Case of the Bloody Iris, that's actually more of a giallo, and there is a 1960s European actress in that who was actually in Hostel. She's one oh. of my favorites. But oh, shit. Edwidge Shazfinnick. Okay. We'll eventually get to talk about her because, man. At some point, man, it's not my favorite. I don't hate it, but I do feel like we're kind of obligated at some point to cover Hostel. Oh, man, I know this is a long way out, you know, whenever we're going to do it, it's, you know, it's a matter of time, but... It's one of those that divides audiences. Is either you love it or you hate it. And I'm in that lump that I love that film. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of it. I definitely don't hate it. I, I know just, you're a little bit I'm on kind the of like, uh, about Yeah, about some of the content. And even then, I'm just like, eh, I don't know. And that's the thing. I also haven't seen it probably almost since it came out. Wow. Damn. So Hot minute. Yeah, maybe I'll appreciate it more in a rewatch. I'll catch it from time to time. No matter where it's at in the film, I'll usually try to watch it from whatever point I catch it on. So I like it. But with these giallos, man, they've got some really cool special features like opera. I'd love to have a copy of it. I might, man. You know, I'm an Argento fan, so (laughs) we'll see. All right, so another thing that kind of pertains to what we've done is actually one of our first episodes 
But right now on Amazon Prime, for those who are interested, if you want to see Tarsum Singh's Visionary the Cell, it is streaming. It's available. There's a cool little editorial on Bloody Disgusting about it. If you want to set aside an eighth of your day. <sighs> yeah, you can listen to our three-hour episode. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, here's something that's still... Harkins if you don't true. want to watch it and you just want to hear us tell you, we will tell you every single scene. single scene, dude, about that film. Which I mean, that was kind of our thing when we first started doing these episodes. But we're like, man, we don't have to do every scene, <laughs> and especially with this one. I mean, there was a lot to talk about, but damn, three. It's still our longest episode to date. It's still how? I don't know, dude. We've done two part episodes. I know, right? And it's still the longest. We've done commentaries. It's still the longest. <laughs> We've done intros before actually watching a movie. I know. A long movie. The Jesus. Shining. Yeah. And an outro, I believe, too. And then still, this is the longest. But one person we've talked about several times who actually was a fan of it, movie critic-wise, is Roger Ebert. And we all know that he's not always favorable to horror-style films. But I think this is a film that, if you have not seen it... It's at least worth discovering or rediscovering. It's a beautiful film. It's not the greatest of films, but it's I'm a got fan. a really good cast. I yeah. really like that movie. I really hate that episode. <laughs> I, I understand. I understand. I don't mind. I mean, it's kind of neat to go back and listen to it because, I mean, we really did dissect that fucking film. Oh, I bet. I'll re-listen to it sometime just to... Yeah, but it's definitely not... I mean, you have to set literally an eighth of your day dedicated to listen to us bullshit about that film. We're sorry. I know, right? <laughs> But anywho, it's I'm sorry. It's available on Prime if you want to watch that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> One last bit of news I have, and this relates back to our little mini review of last week, but this news pertains to Halloween because as of right now, it has grossed $172 million globally. Right? Damn. I know, dude. It's the first film in the Halloween franchise to top $100 million. It's projected probably next weekend to hit about $200 million, quite possibly $250 million. And that's off the backbone of a $10 million budget. Right. That's fucking nuts. Well, we've talked about the Blumhouse that's model. That's what Blumhouse does. No exception time to the time rule. again. Now, one we have mentioned, we've covered it more recently, Suspiria. But this this one, I'm surprised. They were that's a lot. $10 million on that $10 one? $10 million, yeah. I mean, I didn't think... It feels like I didn't a lot mean... more than that. And that's the thing. It's like there's nothing where it would have been like a super expensive movie. No, that I can see, but but it feels like more than a ten million dollar. But budget. it feels like more than ten million. Yeah. What the last several Purge films were like? All of them combined were like ten million, weren't they? Oh fuck, I don't remember. But yeah, still, probably. I mean, that's still a moderate budget for a film with this kind of punch. Ah oh, fuck, I love that movie. Yeah, so, good. so it was really good, good news, man. I mean, that only kind of strengthens some of the stuff we talked about with possibly furthering this franchise. I was going to say with Suspiria, Luca Guadagnino's, it did open to a limited release. I think it was in New York and L.A. Yes. But it said it scored an insane $89,000 per screen average in just two theaters, actually, in New York and Mm -hmm. L.A. So what that says is it actually was bigger than The Shape of Waters per average screen numbers in terms of return. So we'll see what happens there. I've heard some pretty not good things about Venom, but it topped $500 million worldwide. That's nuts, man. Mm-hmm. Said it added 10.8 domestically and $321 million internationally. That's crazy, man. So that one's going to crack $600 million before too long. By the time it's said and done, probably close to $700, 750 maybe. 
It's been out a little bit. I think it's going to die out more. Craziness. I think if it gets seven, it'll be happy. But Well, I mean, still, that's a pretty good return. Yeah. Uh, the other three films, apparently, I'll give you some box office numbers, is Goosebumps 2. It hit $62.6 million internationally. Eli Roth, his latest film, The House with a Clock on Its Walls, $111 million. And Hellfest at $13.6 million. I'm intrigued by that Hellfest movie. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers, but the trailers kind of sold me. I've seen some stills. I haven't watched any of the trailers. The trailers kind of sold me. I'm going to watch that movie at some point. Apparently not in the theaters because I haven't gotten my happy ass down there yet. Understandable. But no, what that means to me, at least from the horror front, and this is another thing too, why there are so many people who love horrors, when you look at the numbers at the box office, I mean, they're fucking killing it, dude. People want to see horror films. They want to see good horror films. Whether it's family-friendly or more for our style, make it all available. Horror films are the type of film that I like seeing with an audience, Likewise. to be honest. Like, yeah. I go to like all the Marvel movies and shit while they're in the theaters because I want to see them right away. Understandable. I don't give a shit, though, if I see them with an audience or not. Like Horror movies, I want other people to be in the theater. <laughs> I love so getting that, the reactions so of that, people. Yeah, we're, I'm, it's not just the movie, it's the reactions because... Yeah. We've both talked about it before on the podcast, like, part of the reason we're so into horror is because we're not fucking scared by it. No, man. It'd be hard-pressed to find a film that'll literally make us squirm. There's some, yeah, I mean, and we'll bring up the times where things will get under our skin a little bit here or there, but they're few and far between, especially for how many episodes and different types of shit that we've covered so far, and things that we have watched that we haven't even gotten a chance to talk about on the show precisely so yeah i mean it just goes to show when you see but it I with love an audience yeah the reactions love the reactions i like too how with seeing it in a the theater i mean you get the sound certain elements it doesn't translate over to the home experience mm-hmm. and you're right in the same thing like you'll have different expectations watching it at home compared to seeing it with an audience that you have no idea which way they're going to sway, whether they're going to be very involved or it's going to be one of those where, without naming a name, but there's a film that a lot of people laughed at for those tension moments, and I think it pulled them out. And it's one of those two that gets split right down the middle. Mm -hmm. We'll eventually cover it, put it that way. Anyway, fuck, where were we? But no, that's pretty much the end of like the horror news I found that was relative this week. Sweet. You know, we've talked about the fact that you've watched some Castlevania. I've watched a little bit of Sabrina, so that's kind of... We'll flip that as the week goes yeah. on. Yeah, so we'll have a little bit more to talk about next week. But outside of that, man, just plugging away, you know, kind yeah, of no same shit. old shit. Yep, same here. I guess since we're just plugging away, let's get into those guts and bolts. Sounds groovy. and bolts of terrifier but before we do you think i was gonna forget (laughs) nope this is the two months where we're gonna tell you to go bug the fuck out of your friends and family and tell them to go listen to us because we love you and we love them we try to make it easy www.friedsquirms.com ways to listen to us up at the top latest episode streaming down at the bottom all sorts of goodies in between oh you know it no really go bug people 
That's your guys' gift to us for our hundredth, because it's coming up. Yeah, it's like you know. Fuck you guys. You think we we're d- gonna forget? We do our part. It's the holiday season. And now it's time for giving back. Next order of business. I'm bringing some just good old standby blue dream to the table today, which is a good one. It's one of our favorites. I'm still with the Gorilla Glue, and I think there's a little bit of White Widow mixed in with this little batch of Okay. Yeah, so we're getting a little bit of both on my end. Not a special day. No, not in particular. But every day is special when you're stoned. Aw, it's true. (laughs) (laughs) With friends. Every high is a good high for me. I'm a really big fan of Blue Dream anyway. I've just found that, especially in my lifetime, it's become more and more of just like everybody's staple like you can't find any other weed weed yeah which I, mean. I remember there was a small bit of time where it was like high end and then it just seemed like everybody was like oh shit no all i got is blue dream and i'm like well it's a good thing i like blue dream <laughs> yeah it's like i'm not a hater <laughs> but yeah i think with some of the strains that have come my way more recently it talked about gorilla glue Cinex has been a Cinex. popular one. Yeah, it's been pretty popular. White Widows. Some of the Cushes, some of the Skunks, but nothing Green too Green Crack's usually pretty common. Yeah. I mean, you're going to find kind of the staple strange, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. It's, it's good, better than old Reggie, i tell you that right day, now. That's for sure. Jesus, I don't miss Reggie. <laughs> Promise you that. So, shit, what do we got? Oh, now we should probably go into a synopsis? Good starting place. Oh, Jesus, I didn't even think of synopsis. Clown goes on a killer rampage on Halloween night. That's all you need to know, I suppose, right? Slasher style. You know it? <laughs> yeah, it harkens back to the slashers. So, I don't know how to Without giving put too it. much away, yeah. yeah, that's a good way of brief synopsis. Slasher style, clown goes on a rampage, have fun. Yeah, so we have talked about clowns in the past. So, we already know, and this is already kind of delving into some of the warnings, if you have polarophobia, mm-hmm. it's not going to be for you. No. Oh, no. It's called uh, Terrifier hey, for a reason. let's talk about the warnings real quick. We've talked about clowns before. Killer clowns. Yep. It kind of has a thousand corpses with Captain Spaulding. Yeah, a little bit. Although he's not really clowny most of the time. <laughs> Who else? I'm missing a clown. We, we did some other clown, didn't we? If we have, it's eluding me as well. We've done your staples for the most part. If you're afraid of clowns, like some of those other movies, killer clowns, kind of goofy. If you're not that afraid of clowns, you still might be able to get away with watching it. I agree. If you're afraid of clowns, you probably should not watch this movie. (laughs) Yeah, this one takes it to the nth degree. This one is bad. I mean, not bad, but like compared to the rest of those, like those don't really give you a reason to be afraid of clowns. Vulgar gives you more of a reason to be afraid of clowns. Me and or my being dad a clown. Going to do the dog. <laughs> yeah, that one. Holy shit. Or being a clown. Oh, man, I feel bad for old Brian there. But yeah, this one definitely puts the terrifying terrifier. Yeah, we'll get to a little bit better warnings than that. But right off the bat, like some of those other clown movies, if you're only a little bit of afraid of clowns, you can probably get through them. But yeah, if, this if one, you have if a fear afraid of, one, of clowns, this you. is going to become a bad ride for you. <laughs> Man, it's just going to intensify your fear of clowns. Okay, moving on. Moving on. So what we like to do every week is we talk about our cast and crew, and this film, of course, is no stranger to that. So I can lead off with our crew. Now, one person who's worked on this project, this seems like it's his baby because there's a short, there was a film he directed that it was an anthology and part of this story was in that anthology. But the person I'm talking about today is Damien Leone. He is our director, writer, editor, 
and producer on this film. So a couple of his credits as far as directing credits. I was talking about the anthology. There was a film called All Hallows' Eve that he directed. He also directed Frankenstein vs. the Mummy. I mentioned he's a writer. He's written for all those projects as well. Our cinematographer on this film is George Stuber. He was a cinematographer on All Hallows' Eve. He was a cinematographer also on Frankenstein vs. the Mummy. There's an upcoming film called West Side Story. The side has a dollar sign for the S. Oh, I want to look that up. Are they seriously rebooting West Side Story and making it hard? Possibly. It's currently in filming, so I do know that much. Are you a jet? You're a jet for life because it's fucking blood in or blood out, homeboy. That's right, bro. <laughs> I mean, you could modernize it. Hell, there's been several modernizations of that. I did mention our editor on this is Damien Leone. Our music was composed by Paul Wiley. Paul Wiley has composed music for such things as Last Girl. You might have seen Boondocks. He was also the composer for Frankenstein vs. the Mummy. He's also done soundtrack for the film IT. There was a song that he actually performed in row, and that was I Love You in Leather. And he was also the composer for And They Call It Puppy Love. Our special effects, Damien Leone, he helped with the special effects makeup on this. Our producers were Phil Falcone, Damien Leone, and George Stuber. Production companies were Dark Age Cinema and Epic Pictures Group. Distributors for this, we have Netflix. They helped with the 2018 video on demand, which is currently streaming. We had Signature Entertainment. They helped with the 2018 United Kingdom DVD release. And Dread Central, they helped present this for a limited 2018 premiere. Release dates, we had one here in the States, September of 2016. That was at the Telluride Horror Show Film Festival that is located in Colorado. October 28th, 2017, it was premiered on the Horror Channel Film Fest at the United Kingdom. And here in the States and United Kingdom, it got a March 15th, 2018 release. So that kind of rounds out the crew. We start talking about the cast, really interesting cast. Wait, you got any taglines? None. Fit in between. No, no taglines, no, tag lines, no, no tag budget, lines. no no numbers. Okay, then I'm going to interrupt things really quick, because you okay. mentioned the anthology and All Hallows' Eve and such a few times. I haven't watched it. I haven't either. I did watch the short, though. Did you? I did. How was it? It's not bad. Okay. It's not bad. I'll get to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, I figured section. we wouldn't give away too yeah, much not about too bad. it yet, but okay. This might be a little bit more for the How Did It Make You Squeal, but I feel like maybe fits in a little bit more here, because it talks sort of about the status of this movie and sort of how we ended up picking it. Neither of us were familiar with those original incarnations of the character of Art the Clown. I had seen, just scrolling through shit, like some of the stills, but I didn't know anything about it. But that's the thing. Through first the shorts and the bit in the anthology into this movie, it was built around being sort of a cult figure that in a way kind of fucking worked on us in the fact that we kept seeing images from this movie to the point where we're like, okay, I'm fucking curious now because all these other people that have sort of the same interests as us I agree. keep fucking posting shit about it. Dude, there was like a stretch of several weeks where this film was mentioned almost on a daily basis. So I consider it a cult film. Yeah. It's got a fucking it has cult a following, following, no doubt. I can only imagine that any money this movie made initially was through that cult following. I agree with that, yeah, for uh, sure. And how it originated with the short 
and built up and into this, which is kind of amazing. I love when things do that. Like, yeah, come to fruition. Because this is definitely an awesome fruition. I'll say more about what I think about this yeah. movie later. But the fact that this has come to this fruition is amazing. I totally agree with that. Considering, yeah. And yeah, we get to talk about that here shortly, which is cool. Which is and really is something that gives so many cool images. Because I will say that. This movie, no wonder people are sharing images from this movie. Because no there's dude. so many cool images to be taken. Oh, especially of this character. Totally agree, man. He's very expressive. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Okay. So, yeah, unfortunately, no taglines, like we mentioned. It's fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine this is shot on a relatively micro-budget you know, so no surprises there. But I do have a kind of a laundry list of cast members, and I'll mention a few of their credits as well. But leading off, we do have Jenna Cannell. She plays the character of Tara Hayes. She's been in such films as Demonica's Reign, Blood Type Unknown, The Bye Bye Man, The Good Die Young, and a film called The Front Runner. The next actress I have who plays her sister in this film is Samantha Scafidi. She plays Victoria Hayes. She's been in such things as the films Sam, The Networker, Demon Hole, American Fango, and a film entitled Sarah Q. Now, our main character, I would arguably say in this, is played by David Howard Thornton, and he plays Art the Clown in this film. He's been in such things as Nightwing, Escalation. That's a television series from 2016 through 2017. He played the Joker in that. He was also in Gothic, the television series, in 2017. He played an orderly. And you might have heard his voice because he lent it in the video game The Invisimals, The Lost Kingdom. Now, I will say this. This is maybe a little bit of more trivia than anything, but there was an actor who played Art the Clown in the short in the anthology prior to this gentleman. This right, is, this was his first time doing it. Exactly. So he's a different personification, I suppose, of the clown. The next actress I have on this film is Catherine Cochran. She plays the character of Dawn. She's been in such things as The Lovely Bones. She actually went uncredited as one of the murdered girls in that film. Okay. She's also appeared in some it's trauma. Literally, all I know about The Lovely Bones is that it involves murdered girls. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a little bit of it. all I know about it. I haven't watched much. I will admit that. She's been in a couple of trauma films because she's been in... Return to Newcomb High, Volumes 1 and Part 2. So for those who are familiar, you might have seen her in that. She was also in Caesar and Otto's Paranormal Halloween. She was in the film Chuck and also a film called Long Lost. The next actress I have is Puya Massini. She plays Cat Lady. You might have seen her in such things as When Death Calls. She was in Bloody Slumber Party. She was also in a film entitled Subways. She was in Brutal Colors, Before the Snow. Falling Water, which was a television show in 2016, and more recently she was on the show Big Dogs Okay, from this year. The next actor I have is Matt McAllister. He plays Mike the Exterminator. Two things I've got him in. He was in A Crime to Remember, and he appeared in an episode of Vinyl, the television series that was on HBO. That was back in 2016. I have an actress on this, and this is Katie McGuire. She plays Monica Brown. She is a TV interviewer, journalist. Oh, right. Now, she's been in such things as Red Canyon. She was in All Hallows' Eve. You might have seen her in L.I., which is Long Island Divas, which is a television show. That was back in 2013 and more recently here in 2018. And she's also been in the film Gold Star. She looked insanely familiar. She looked kind of like a young Deborah Messing. She kind of does. 
To the point where I was almost, I was like, no, but she's too young. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people in this film I've never seen before, which is no it's discredit, like, just um, a lot of independent actors and actresses. Somebody else reminded me of someone, too. I'll get to that. Anyway. <laughs> oh, last week, Mark Price reminded me of Riggin. People reminded me of Craig people Sheffer over the place. Yeah. David Boreans, which is funny. I do have a couple of other actors and actresses in this film. Now, one of the actors I have is Gino Caffarelli. He plays the character of Steven. He's one of the guys at the pizzeria shop. He's been to such things as Beer League, the movie, which has Artie Lange and Ralph Macchio, which I thought was kind of cool. He was also in the film The Good Shepherd. He was in an episode of Dexter, the television series back in 2007. You might have seen him in the film Big Fan. He was also on an episode of Boardwalk Empire back in 2012. He's also in the film Cruise in an upcoming film entitled The Irishman. Jenna Cannell looks like Nev Campbell. She really does, like a younger... Yeah. Yeah. Good kind point. Of, yeah, I was just like, damn, <laughs> Nev. Damn, Deborah Messing. <laughs> what the fuck is the 90s doing in this joint? I know, right? It's supposed to be an 80s throwback. <laughs> yeah, now we get 90s in here. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I do have a couple of other actors and actresses, of course. I have Corey Duvall. He plays the corner in this film. You might have seen him in such things as the film Rent. I know, right? I haven't. I've never watched that. <laughs> oh, I fucking hate Rent. First girlfriend I had in college loved Rent. Well, if you're familiar with the film, he was in that. Now, he's also been in such things as Village Barbershop, and he's in the upcoming film The Martyr Maker. Next person I have is actually another producer and director. He's acting in this film, but he plays the character of Will the Exterminator. This is Michael Levy. He has done such things as Halloween Awakening, The Legacy of Michael Myers, which I think it was more like a direct-to-video. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he combined like all of the films together and tried to make stories out of that, I suppose. Now, you might have also seen him in Sharknado Part Two, the second one. He's also in Fear Clinic, and he's in a film entitled Abnormal Attraction. The next actor I have is Eric Zamora. He plays the character of Ramon. He's the other pizza shop guy. He was in a few episodes of Broad City from 2017, and he's also in the upcoming The Irishman. Now, to round out the cast and crew, I didn't have any of their credits, but we have Jason Levy, who plays police officer number one, and Steve Della Sala, he plays police officer number two. So it kind of rounds out the main cast and crew, and we gave you a a little bit of a synopsis, a little bit of a warning. Uh, How about more of a warning? Uh, This one definitely warrants This movie is super fucking gory. I had no idea. Lots of gore. Nearly. I didn't think it was going to be half as gory as I didn't think it was going to go down that route, yeah. It is, frankly, like on the edge of being like up there with unearth style gore. I totally agree with that. Arguably. It is up there. It's on the cusp, yeah. No doubt. We have not done very many movies that have better gore effects than this one. Yeah, this one, without giving away too many spoilers, does have some really good practical effects. Super good practical effects. Not much CG. Not very much at all. No, and one of the most major CG things in this movie isn't used for gore. No, it's not. It's just kind of to enhance some things. Yeah. Well, yeah, without giving it too much away. Um, yeah. It's a very sinister movie, honestly. It really like, is. It just has sort of a dark, menacing... Not menacing tone. It's it has really a, creepy. It has a very hurtful tone. Menacing, I think, involves more emotion than this movie actually brings. I totally agree with but... that, too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's probably reasons for that as well, but... Yeah, I mean, you're going to get your basic, you know, language. There's some nudity. 
violence, gore. Yeah. You know. Gore. Except if you're familiar with slashers, kind of throw back to 80s. Violence, gore. Yeah. You're going to get it. Cat and mouse games and stuff like that. So The thing this movie does best is over-the-top kills. So... Totally agree with that. That's what you're getting from it. And with that, should we see how I made a squeal? I'm ready. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what? What's going on? Oh Jesus, come on! Oh my God, what's what's going on? Where where am I? Oh gee, why why? Come on, somebody, somebody! Ah, come on, come on, come on! Come on, somebody! Sir, somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on, sir. Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Squeal. Yeah, baby. We're here to fucking squeal about Terrifier. Yeah, so this is kind of one of those that we didn't really have any plans after doing our trick-or-treat episode. And you threw it out there and I was like, you know what? Hell yeah, that sounds good. Because I was so of the reasons fucking we noted. curious about what it was about. I kept seeing the goddamn clown pop up everywhere. Well, likewise. And I think it piqued our curiosity enough to where it was like, you know what? It's a more recent film. It's one that's getting talked about apparently a lot amongst our community. So yeah, let's check it out. So now as to how I actually feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. I liked it. It's a good movie. Yeah. I love it. Maybe no, I love I love parts of it. I love the gore. There it has is, really good yeah, effects. There's some really good effects in this. I think Art the Clown is a great character. Yes, he is. I think this movie kind of gets boring about halfway through. It does kind of make you wonder how this is like a full-length feature. There was never any part where I felt any real tension. It just nah. felt more like a showcase of cool kills. I agree with that. Which I do love for its own thing. Yeah, it has its own merits. It has its own merits, but it doesn't make the movie, like, one of my favorites of all time. No, not even close. (laughs) But no, I think it's definitely worth the watch. It's definitely worth, you know, talking about because here we are. And I guess leading off, too, is I told you, like, throughout the week, there are some people we work with who listen to our episodes and watch horror films and stuff. And one of our coworkers had asked me if I had watched it. And I was like, yeah, I just so happened to watch it the night before work. And we got to talk a little bit about it. And there were some parts in it where he almost tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of cool. But, you know, he plowed through and uh, enjoyed it. That was a pretty good film. So I was like, yeah, sweet. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean... I think for its budget constraints and what they were trying to accomplish, you know, we have to take some of those things into consideration is, yeah, there's not a lot of character development at all in this film. You're just kind of thrown into a story, more or less, on a Halloween night. So, okay, yeah. So here's what I do like about it. If you're paying attention to the way the movie unfolds, it's very obviously an homage to, like, 80s slasher. Absolutely. What I don't like is that you sort of set this up and mentioned it when we were talking about our guts and bolts, is that our main character is art. Yeah. There's no through line of anyone else that you care about through this entire movie. No, for the most part, and this is, of course, where in our spoiler section is, most of the people in the film are set up for the kill. And I don't have a problem with that in theory. 
This is a movie that I'm going to jump ahead real quick, but I'm not going to jump ahead to the end where if they were going to do this is where they probably should have done this in my opinion. But you have sort of like the fake final girl where you have a girl <laughs> that's set up to be the final girl and then she ends up getting killed. A little bit of a twist. I'm okay with that in theory, but they do it halfway through the movie. They do. They throw that curveball at you. Really early without building up anybody else for you to care about yeah because now it's like you have to try Except to repick the pieces up yeah because he's the constant throughout the film he's the only constant he must be the main character and the only problem i have with that is that <laughs> he's a cool character he's an amazing character he i really want to see art the clown and more things but he's not a likable character no i think there are moments at least for me watching it a second time through whereas like this is kind of like a showcase for him and it's one of those, it's a strong showcase, but I think he is better used in probably a bigger budgeted film. I think he's better used as the fringe horror, or the danger coming in, oh, rather no than us just being focused on the danger. Yeah, that's a good point. If that makes any sense. I guess he should just not be the focal point. He should steal whatever scene he's in, but he shouldn't be the focal point of every scene. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think what it boils down to, and this is one of those things where maybe for other people, like, your mileage might vary, but for me, theatrical doesn't instantly equal likable. And Not he always. is insanely theatrical. <laughs> yes. Totally. But he's not likable. He's not meant to be liked. And I don't need him to be likable. And if the movie did better in investing me in anybody's emotions i don't need anybody to be likable as long as the emotions are there because yeah. like henry was kind of that way nobody was likable in henry but you could actually feel something coming from the characters the point totally of his character is that he doesn't care there are still human emotions from some of the characters involved in henry that kind of pulled you in and there's some of those moments of just like dread and just uh you feel bad there's one in particular, but I don't want to go there. But anyhow, you're right. There's not any of that really in this film. Yeah, you might feel bad for certain characters, but they're gone by the time you even give a shit. Devil's Rejects, nobody's likable. But there's still this emotional element, a family element, and people yeah. being hunted. And yeah, yeah there's this, still things you can kind of tie yourself back to. Yeah, and this I just, the only thread that I ended up picking on that had that got killed halfway through. Exactly. Literally almost exactly halfway through. <laughs> Ah, what's up with that? Anyway, let's go through little bit by little bit. Okay. This is another movie where I have to oh, say yeah, I flaws, like it though. more than I'm going to pick on it. Yeah, understandable. But I'm going to fucking pick on this movie because there was some stupid shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I do say, as far as rewatch factor goes, since we do watch it twice generally, getting yeah. ready for this, the beginning of this movie is so much better once you know the twist from the end. It really is. And there are some things upon second view that kind of give it away. Don't really want to talk about it now, but I'll talk about it towards you know the end of the episode. But yeah, there's some things that set up some of the twists. Everything about that first scene, which just felt clunky and out of place my first mm -hmm. viewing. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is this all about? I was wondering, because I haven't seen the original short or anything, I was wondering if it was a callback. No, absolutely not. Because all I knew was that this was based on something previous. Exactly. But no, before I came over, I did get to watch the short after reviewing the film, as far as our notes go. And there are some moments in the short 
that are carried out through the feature. Okay. It's done in a different setting. Some of the scenes are similar in the effect it gives off. But in terms of what we're talking about here, that backstory, the beginning, there's nothing like that. But, yeah, the interview, the kill, all of that. It doesn't make any sense in context. All of that is so much better once you know the twist. It makes it a lot more rewatchable, honestly. Yeah. Because even though this movie's only like an hour and 22 minutes long, I didn't remember that the character's name was Victoria for that end scene. When they first said Victoria, like, I didn't get it until the character actually turned around. Yeah, yeah. oh, okay. Makes sense. And I was like, I still don't care. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. And there was at least two instances in the back half of the movie where I confused Cat Lady and Victoria. Some of these people do have kind of same frames, you know, they're built kind of Mm -hmm. the same way, yeah. So, I mean, the beginning happens, interview, kill. Exactly. Gore. Good gore. Surprised the hell out of me. Wasn't expecting to see that. No, I wasn't either. Really wasn't. And then you get thrust into just two 20-year-old hot chicks, Halloween night, they're drunk, and neither one of them can drive. They unfortunately encounter Art, and they decide to sober up at a pizzeria. And that's when kind of the fun begins. And that's where, like, I started getting drawn into the Tara character, because I was able to be sort of, what was her name? Jenna Kendall, something like that? Yeah, Jenna Cannell. Cannell. There's three standout performances in this movie to me. We keep saying Art. He's definitely one of them. Oh, yeah, no doubt. She's also one of them. She's really good. Her part was kind of bland, and she was still able to bring me in to, like, her annoyance with her fucking drunk friend yeah. and yeah. just you can how still she sort of... And I started, like, relating to, like, how she was slowly getting creeped out by this guy and how nobody seems sort of willing to help her, and this is all, like, sort of happening to her in broad daylight. Not broad daylight. But, it's fucking yeah, midnight. Exactly, but, 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 I mean, it is out in the open. Out in the open, under lights, but it's Halloween, so... You can get away with a little bit more. Certainly can. This guy's pushing it to the limit. He does get thrown out of the pizzeria, and I was absolutely <laughs> thankful we didn't have to watch him oh, actually fuck up that bathroom. Yeah. I had seen some comments before I'd even seen this film pertaining to that scene, but I'm at this stage now where you know we watch films and review them enough where I'd rather not know too much about a film going into it because it's easy to give away all these things if you read other people's comments on a film, mm-hmm. especially one that's still kind of hot off the press. So I knew there was something about a bathroom scene. I didn't know exactly what until you actually see what happens and what the guy has to clean up. You're like, oh, that's kind of funny. But yeah, right, I didn't necessarily need to see that. Around this time, because I make my notes on my second viewing, so this note is a little bit out of order, but this is, through my second viewing, having seen this movie before, I started wondering... Why do they bring in the exterminator's boss later just to have an extra kill when they set up an extra kill so much earlier in the movie with the dude that's wanting to get with the blonde chick? Yeah, I see what you mean. When they're stranded and Nev Campbell Jr. goes in to take a piss, all it would take is her to be like, fuck this, we're going home to different places anyway. I'm fucking drunk and horny. I'm going to hit him up. Maybe he'll get here before her sister does. Yeah, you never know, but you're right. There was at least a thread there. And I would have liked that more, because I couldn't even remember that those guys were exterminators. Yeah. Dude was just acting like a janitor his entire time there. Pretty much. He was there for a long fucking time. And the bombs never go off. No. That never comes back in. Do we even see a rat? Yeah. It's actually... A rat? 
There's yeah, there's a few, but I mean that 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 matters. I don't actually even remember rats. <laughs> not that it matters, but the whole point of his job and the reason him being there is he's supposed to be setting off bombs, exterminating rats and things like that. You don't see any of that. I felt like he was more of a janitor, like you said, than anything in this film. And you kind of forget about him most of the time anyway. And he can just be a janitor, and you can still bring in somebody else for a kill with the way that you've already set up. That's just me being super picky, but it still kind of bugged me the second time through when I'm like, you have like five (laughs) minutes of dialogue in this 122-minute movie. Or not 122 minutes. That's a lot longer than this movie actually is. That'd make it a little bit harder to talk about. In this 82-minute movie, you have five minutes where this chick is going back and forth on her phone with this guy. Yeah. And then instead we just get this exterminator coming out of nowhere later on. Yeah, Just to get his head fucking chopped off. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, you're right. They're just there for the kill. They're just plot points. Anyway, like I said, I'm going to bitch about this movie because there's shit in it that just stood way out to me where I'm like, fucking, you guys already, like, gave yourself that in, and it makes so much more sense, but... <laughs> Understandable. I completely understand that. I guess plotting along that kind of that storyline, too, is after we find out what happens in the pizzeria and they discover that Dawn's tire had been slashed... That's when Tara, you know, she got freaked out already in the pizzeria. The guy gives her the ring. That's kind of like, ah, that's crazy. I love that entire scene. I did too. I mean, her taking the selfie with Art and all that shit. It's playful. Don is totally oblivious to the fact that this guy's a killer. That entire scene beautifully sets up the 80s slasher vibe. Yeah, it does. It's super parts creepy. It's playful. It is kind of setting up that vibe with the pizzeria joint, the pizza guys, your typical kind of, hey... I mean, Art doing fucking nutter shit when <laughs> yeah. Nev Campbell's looking at him, yep. but just giving the blank Dead stare eyes. when anyone else looks at him might as well be Jamie Lee Curtis looking out the window yeah. and seeing Michael Myers. And Halloween, yep, exactly. It's that slashery. I don't know how they did it so perfectly. Like, I love that scene. It's a great scene. I agree. There's some things that I want to kind of delve into a little bit later on about Art, the character himself, that might lend its hands to some of that shit. After their kind of encounter, like, both the girls find out that the tire slash, Tara calls her sister Victoria. She's kind of reluctant to go until her roommate comes in to try to fuck some dude. She's like, I'll pick you up. Now, in between Uh, that... By the way, she's who picks up the supposed-to-be sympathetic thread once Tara dies. Right, exactly. Starts off completely unsympathetically (laughs) by only going to help out her fucking drunk sister and drunk friend while stranded downtown only because her roommate's literally trying to have sex in front of her. Yeah, otherwise she's like, I've got to study, I've got to be up in a few hours. She's not, like, trying to be... No, she's not trying to be super sister. No. No, she just like she just doesn't want to see her her roommate getting nailed. Yeah, for her it's probably like lesser of two evils. Like I don't want to see either. I don't want to do either, but I'm gonna to have to do it this time for my mm-hmm. sister. But yeah, so we know she's on her way. Tara has to take a piss. She goes inside the building. That sets up the whole art, the clown, everything from that point. The terrorizing, uh, the killing, etc. So that part was really funny. 
especially the second time through. By that point, Tara had already made the if you only had a brain joke. Yeah. And I still like could not tell that the blonde was really supposed to be the scarecrow until she put on that hat. Yeah. And then I felt stupid for not realizing that she was supposed to be the scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's certain things that, yeah, line-wise. I will say this. There is a little bit of clever writing in this. I mean, I know it's not like the greatest writing you're ever going to see in your life or anything like that, but... Watching it more than once makes me appreciate some of the little stuff like that and some little bits There's later on, too. There's some good things that are set up and paid yeah. off. Like, as much as I'm bitching about certain things, like, there's some good things. Like, I'd say some of the foreshadowing some and stuff, shit the and... way it wraps in on itself. It's pretty clever, but... Like, which, so is why, its, which is why I don't hate this flaws. movie. No, likewise. But you're right. There are some glaring things in this film that do need to be mentioned. I did, actually, and I even circled this as being one of the very good things about this. There are a few moments of dark comedy in this movie, Mm -hmm. but it is a lot less than you would guess for being kind of a clown killer. Most of the comedic things are because he is being so absurdly terrifying. Yes, and that's kind of what makes it a funny thing, but you're right, also mixed in with the horror, the terror... This is almost not intentionally, I'd say almost no scene feels that you might laugh at feels like it was intentionally made to be laughed at, though. I feel like most uh, of the comedy... maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah, there's one I can point to. <clears throat> but everything was a little bit more, like, twisted just enough that it is terrifying. That's a good point, too. There's certain things, the way people react, that's another reason why I like going to the theaters, is for some people... Those tense moments, the absurd moments, are laughable to other people. It might not be its intention. It just, that's how certain people react to those things. But I thought this did a good job of kind of playing down those elements that you're almost looking for when your killer is a clown. Yeah. (laughs) Granted, yeah. There are some things I do want to mention because we're talking about that. The one thing I'll point out, too, is it's towards the end with Victoria, where he actually brings out the bike horn and hawks it at her and shit. Second time through, I laughed my nuts off. Because it's so absurd, like that whole situation is horrifying. She's being chased. He grabs her by the hair. Mm-hmm. And then after she gets free, the next thing he reaches in is with that fucking bite horn. He's mocking her with it, and it's horrifying, but it's also funny. You're right. It's definitely more of a mocking tone than the scene I'm about to bring up. But it also weirdly reminded me of, like, Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh, yeah. When he's making the chick bounce on the balloon (laughs) and how just oddly sinister that is. Like, he can't reach her, but he's still going to do fucking something. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Jesus Christ. There has to be some sort of mockery or something to still keep that ratcheted up horror and terror there instilled in that person. The part that made me fucking just fucking lose it is also towards the end when he rolls his eye. When the cops bust up on him oh, yeah. and he only has the one eye and <laughs> yeah. he fucking just... He's I annoyed. Like, oh my fucking God. And I yeah. lost it at that part. But Like we said, that guy who plays Art the Clown, he's a really good physical actor. There are some moments. The thing that also made me chuckle, even though it's horrific, is after he mutilates the cat lady like oh, her yeah. chest and her scalp and he comes up out of the stairs did you start singing goodbye horses yeah i was like <laughs> that harkens right back to mr buffalo bill that's and, one of the only like and the, the way he does it too it's like god damn so once tara dies it's just the fact that this movie has moments like this that kept me watching exactly otherwise it's like because every time he kills someone he goes over the top in some way 
and it that really was does. worth watching for me. But at no point in the movie did they make me feel like the characters really had any chance of getting away. Yeah, exactly. Like there wasn't any real stakes (laughs) because I felt like they were dead from the get-go. Yeah. Maybe not from the get-go, but but pretty soon in the movie. After a certain point, yeah, you know they're all fucked. They're all fucked, and so there wasn't any stakes with them. It was just sitting back to see what's going to come next. Pretty much. Like which next over-the-top kill you're going to get. Something that made me yell... It's totally dumb slasher rather than good slasher. And that's why it made me yell because I wanted this movie to be more good slasher. Yeah. Like the fucking pizzeria scene. But Exterminator, fucking janitor. He was acting like a goddamn janitor. He was. Could have absolutely heard her from 15 feet away, Yelling. 20 feet away. Oh, yeah. Through just earbuds. Yeah. You know when someone is behind you and yelling and screaming and shit. I don't think he was making enough of that job to afford the fucking noise-canceling shit. No, fuck no. There's no way. He can hear that, and also during that same exact scene, (laughs) there's no reason for her to stop moving towards him at that point. I know. Yeah, why does she stop? (laughs) Mister! She has to stop to yell. No. (laughs) If she would have been moving the entire time she was yelling, she would have been grabbing his shoulder by the time her sentence was finished. She had plenty of time to run over to him. And why was she walking in the first place? (laughs) You run up to that motherfucker. But then I will say that my next note after that is simply holy fucking gash. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. After she gets injected with that shot in her neck, she wakes up. Art duct taped her mouth shut, tied her down to that chair. Art has a surprise for her. Well, at first he mocks her, too, with his bag of tools. That was I like that a lot. That was super cool, especially since the name of the movie is Terrifier. Yeah, and he does. He lives up to that billing. Terrifier, but I hardly know her. (laughs) (laughs) You know it. Yeah, he mocks her with the hammer. He mocks her with the handsaw. He unveils what happened to Dawn when she got apprehended in the car. And she is nude from the top up. I didn't think he was actually going to do it. Not that way. He takes some panties off, and then he goes to uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I was going to say, I, oh. I, was, I was almost going to, in the warnings, warn for genital mutilation. Oh, man. But the injury is so extreme that by the time you see it, it's not genital mutilation. Oh, it's no, literally, it's, it's body mutilation you all the yeah, way. It's body, yeah. It's the whole nine yards. But it starts at the crotch and ends at the head, right down the middle. So at that point, we're about 30 minutes into the movie. Roughly, yeah. A little bit past that, maybe. 32 minutes into the movie. Right. There's not much time left. The next 14 minutes is the showdown, Nev Campbell Jr. running away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the eventual showdown with Art, which was also insanely stupid. Yeah. Another thing that, like, made me want to shout at the TV, (laughs) because her shouting get up at him made me want to just fucking... Punch her in the teeth. I'm glad you're saying that, too, because you're like, are you fucking serious? That kneecap would have been fucking busted in. The angle she had and the way he was laying, it would have been two by four on that kneecap. I'm burning a bunch of calories whipping his ass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm not telling anybody to get up. It's like you're staying down. That's the end goal. I mean, you understand it from a movie's plot and all that shit, why they do that, because it's setting up the kill. But logically speaking, no one's doing that. Not after all this stuff you've been through. You're right. You're yelling, kill that motherfucker. What are you doing? And then my note is at 46 minutes and 14 seconds. I care a lot less about the movie. And that's (laughs) when Art puts his final shot into her. Man. (laughs) Which, here's the thing. 
I like having a decoy final girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah I for like sure. her being set up as a final girl only for him to win at the end. Yeah. I don't care that he wins at the end. Like, I think that's a cool twist. Doing it that early into the movie <laughs> yeah. when her sister hasn't even shown up yet? No. Not even. She doesn't show up, I think, until... For another, like, seven minutes? Yeah, until like... after her sister's killed. It was right before Mike gets incapacitated with the hammer blow on the stairwell. Right. That's after Cat Lady looking for Emily, and she warns him. So you're right. It's almost three-quarters of the way the film in before you even have any kind of interaction with Victoria. At least have them meet up, right? Like Yeah, you would think. No, she actually discovers Don's corpse first before she discovers her sister's. I feel like this is one thing that would make this movie a lot better. Where I would rewatch this movie a lot more often if the story would have played out more. I don't care if you kill Tara in the beginning, at the end, or not in the beginning, at the end, or yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like it makes more sense if it's Tara that we saw at the beginning and her breakdown was partially because. She did bring her sister into it and, and got, her sister, her sister got, got, killed. got killed. Yeah, yeah. like her friend got killed, her sister got killed, and it's through those series of events leading up to that. I think that would probably be a better overall story or an arc, but I understand why, of course, they used her sister and that whole... It's just a different way of portraying all that yeah. shit. Yeah, I'm, but you're right. I think it could have had a bigger payoff. It was still clever. I still liked it, though. Yeah. The other thing I feel like is if you bring the sister in, you can put them in situations where you feel like they might escape. Yeah, which you still have a little bit of hope, a little bit of emotion. Means you're playing with hope rather than just putting two mice into your fucking snake's feeder cage. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Hopeless. Like, that's kind of what it feels like too. I think that's maybe a good analogy when you think of the cat and mouse that's in this game. It's not so much cat and mouse. It's more like the you mouse said, might get away into snake and mouse is more like it into the hole in the wall. Yeah, it's there is still snake some and hope a mouse in the fucking cage. You're not going anywhere. No, yeah, it's That's just, just how hungry. He it's is. like a slaughterhouse at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of the things I guess I can kind of branch off and bullshit a little bit about. I'm still going to hold off on that little bit about art and some of the things knowing you know after watching that short film, it might make things a little bit more understandable. Some of the locations I want to look up because it's the second time around. I'm paying a little bit more attention because I want to take notes. But that pizzeria they are in is actually a real place. There's a real oh. place called Deer Hills Park. It's in Long Island. Apparently, this is where this was shot. But it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. Like one of the guys is wearing the T-shirt. Right it's like, here. I wonder if that is a real place. It is. Their well, deaths are pretty <laughs> fucking gnarly. All dude shows up as a jack o' lantern. That was fucking dope. Other guy gets his fucking hand sliced off and. St- goes to stab town on them oh uh while we're talking about the pizzeria we should mention that one of the biggest cg effects in this movie is the jack-o'-lantern in the pizzeria yeah i was reading a little bit about that and the director said he added that in post-production i guess he Mm -hmm. wanted to yeah enhance some of the surroundings give it more of that halloween feel i suppose it's kind of neat but that place does exist i even read something somebody put something on subreddit like asking like is that a real place it's like it looks familiar that little strip it does exist i talked about the banner i think maybe in the dressing room after the television journalist interviewer because they interviewed to what i wrote down as like the faceless woman at the beginning of the film there's a sign in there and i was like oh that's kind of clever because you had mentioned that once you know the twist at the end it makes more sense at the beginning when you watch it again but there's a sign that says, the end is just a new beginning. 
No. I was like, oh, oh that's fucking, that's super clever. That could have been the tagline. That's super fucking clever. Yeah. And like that's it. something that really jumped out the second time through after knowing that Victoria is the faceless person at the end of the film and at the beginning of the film. She even has like some knuckle tattoos. Yep. That makes a lot more sense too as you're watching the film. Because I was wondering if they were clever enough to put that in there and they paid attention to detail. So yeah. When you see her strangling and stabbing the, nice. the chick. Yeah. You can still see some of the tattoos when she's lifting windows and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I thought that was really cool. There's a thing that that TV interviewer saying to, I think it's her boyfriend she calls before she's like, I got all these calls I got to take. I keep yeah, getting blown yeah. up. She says something to the effect that there's faceless victims and a host in jeopardy. She doesn't want to be a part of that. And I was like, that's kind of funny in a sense. It's ironic. It's a coincidence because that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. She becomes a faceless victim and she's a host in jeopardy. And we're not talking about Alex Trebek. <laughs> So that was kind of clever. Like said, little writing techniques like that are kind of clever. The um, selfie payoff is amazing. Yeah, selfie is really good. It does come back. Like all those little things that, that happen, they is come fucking back. Dope. <laughs> it's disgusting, but it's dope. It's really disgusting, but it's like that was clever because uh, yeah, Don thinks it's all fun and games. Taking little selfies, you already got eight likes. If Art wasn't a mute in this film, it could have been funny. He could have said that line back to her. You got uh, 10 likes already? I feel like I had some reason that I brought this up before, but what's it? Thornton? Was yeah, that his Thornton. name? It is. Thornton that played Art? Yeah. Had some mime training? Yeah. I have loads of respect for mimes. In a drama class in college, I had to learn the basics of miming, and cool. it is really fucking hard. I can imagine, man. It is not easy shit. Anybody who is a really good mime, I fucking tip my hat to you because that's incredible shit. And it sort of showed through with how he played up the character. No puns, but it is an art. It is yeah. an art form. So I can understand maybe why they said Art the Clown. Because everything he does is through pantomimes or mime, you know, miming. It's really clever. Even when he gets stabbed and shit like that, you expect a scream or a howl or something. Still in character. So I mentioned there was three roles that blew me away. Yeah, you already mentioned Art. Art the Clown, Mm -hmm. Tara, Baby Nev. Baby Nev. I wrote down Crazy Lady, not Cat Lady. Yeah, she is I think we all know who we're talking about. She blew me away because in her big scene with Art, I forgot her baby was fake. I was worried about the baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we thought Papa Jupiter got the baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, she does give a really good performance in this. She's totally believable as that crazy cat lady. I don't know why they call her cat lady. She's just crazy lady. Crazy squatter, if anything else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when you find out who Emily is, and as I'm writing down my notes throughout the film, I wrote Emily in quotations because Emily's a doll. (laughs) She's lost it somewhere down the line. But they have a moment, Art and she. She calls mommy at one point. Yeah, she she did. She did call mommy. She She calls it mommy. She says, all right, mommy. Yeah, it would have been interesting seeing a little bit more of her backstory, but there's a moment where you think maybe she's getting through to Art because she's asking him about a mother's touch. She caresses his face, and he starts to suck his thumb. It's a weird, disturbing scene. It really is. I really liked that scene, too, and I'm not sure why I liked it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it is very unsettling because he's a monster and she's crazy. Yeah. And they're sharing this weird bond. (laughs) But they're not. But no, no, no. It's all a part of his games, a part of his miming. He's mm-hmm. miming that. 
Yeah, so she was really good. I will say this, though, and this, man, this is going to sound misogynistic, and I don't mean it to be, but all the ladies in this were baby dolls. I mean, they did a really good job. They're good actresses. I think that keeps you in it enough, too, where you do want to feel something for them, but when they get killed, you're like, ah, whatever. It kind of sucks, but not really. That's really funny. I've noticed things where the writer-director has had to clear it up that art does not have a thing against women. That he's, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in his way, no, he'll kill you. Exactly. Because across this movie and the shorts, whenever he kills a woman, it tends to be far more elaborate. Yeah, than whenever he a kills lot more a man. grotesque. Which, yeah, I can understand the viewpoint like it's a violent film towards women, but on I, the I, other I, hand, I, agree I understand with him. That. I feel like the reason that it comes off that way is because he's trying to follow the '80s slasher tropes precisely it doesn't mean that that's his focus like he's not focusing just on the ladies in this film i mean they're they're the focal he's point. focusing on making sure it feels like this kind of exactly movie. yeah for it better totally or for worse off, yeah. like that exactly. might be a hindrance for some people out there and i would understand that but yeah but i mean even some of the guys deaths in this i'll give you two so we talked about the dude in the pizzeria who get winds up getting fucking stabbed to death that's super violent and the other exterminator who comes in and gets his fucking head sawed off. Right. I mean, that's extremely violent. The original exterminator, I did write down one note. Because we know that Got he lived through his initial attack. <laughs> yeah, with the hammer. And we know that he lived through his initial attack because in a movie with some insanely, insanely, insanely good practical effects and violence... He suffered what I described as a WCW hammer attack. (laughs) He kind of did. I can survive that hammer attack. I can survive that hammer attack 20 times in a row because I don't think I saw that hammer hit him. (laughs) This is for all the wrestling fans out there since we're talking about this. It's kind of like in the Royal Rumble where a guy comes in and immediately gets hit and he lays down. You forget about him for like 10 wrestlers (laughs) until he sneaks his way back in toward the end but Mm -hmm. still gets thrown out of the ring. (laughs) That's what Mike is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what Mike is. <laughs> you think he might have a chance of winning the Royal Rumble, but he still gets knocked out. As we get into talking more just completely about the end. Yeah. Because yeah. we're towards that end part of the we, movie We now. pretty much are. I think it's interesting, too, that... God, I, I still can't remember Homeboy's name. I really should have it in front of me. But writer-director. Oh, Damien Leone. Has also pointed out Art isn't aware of his own supernatural nature. All right. Now, I now we're talking. I love that. Oh my god, I love that idea. Now we're talking. Because that was the big thing I wanted to talk about. Is after watching the short. Now the short, it's really easy to surmise. It's a young girl. She's probably a little bit of like the terror character. A little bit, actually a little bit of all three of the characters, the main actresses. She embodies that. She's lost. She's running low on fuel. It's Halloween night. She goes to this gas station. Lone guys kicking out Art the Clown. He didn't really specify. We probably know why. Probably shit or pissed in the walls or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what happens from that point is he starts to stalk her in a supernatural way. Like, she discovers that he's mutilating the gas station attendant, like, sawing his neck off. She drives off on this highway only to see him a couple hundred yards down the road holding a sign. And she's like, that's not possible. So there's these supernatural events that happen throughout where I'm like, oh, they allude to it a little bit in the full length. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas in the short, you know there's a lot more supernatural things going on with the way he appears, reappears, and there's like there's no way logically where he could have appeared in this situation, but he did. And you know there's more to it. And it makes me wonder too, because the short and this film are set on Halloween night, if that has something to do with the fact that he might be a demon. Well, and he sort of seems to be set off by the fact that people think he's dead yeah. in the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that sets him off. Which is technically... The sequel. Just, yeah, the beginning to the sequel. Whatever what the I sequel liked, might end up being. The end is just the new beginning. Right. That's fucking amazing. Brilliant. That's yeah. perfect. That could almost be the tagline for the sequel, too. It really and it'd could. Make, it'd make you think of the, the first movie and it'd give away the twist of the first movie. That's okay, but, but if you're already that involved in this franchise, hopefully... Damien Leone has clarified that Art doesn't know he's supernatural. He's just an embodiment. He's just doing this. Yeah, and that, that would make total sense. That is... Something about that is fucking, like, brilliant to me. Like, I can immediately think of a couple comic book authors that <laughs> yeah. I would love to play with that uh, idea. Uh, yeah. Like, I think Grant Morrison and Neil Gaiman both that could, awesome. like, really, really play with the idea of this... I don't even know how to describe him. He's like the evil version of Kenny as Mysterian in <laughs> South Park. Like, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Yeah? Except he doesn't know that he is. Yeah, that's pretty funny. He's Good Michael point. Myers that doesn't know he's Michael Myers? Yeah, like, yeah he's totally By the way, the other thing is I feel like Art is very much like if Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger had a child. Yeah, it could be in their cousin. Yeah. <laughs> their cousin Art. But I think... In terms of slashers, you could definitely put him right in that fold. And I don't even mean that in the way that, like, anybody needs to use that fact to explore his backstory to how he got that way. I just think that that's a really interesting writing prompt for someone who's way smarter than me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really interesting thing to give to that character because... What do you do with a character that doesn't know he's supernatural? Right, I mean... How do you hunt a character that doesn't know he's supernatural? Yeah, I mean, you can do a lot of things with that. It's kind of open-ended at that point. And potentially immortal? Yeah, I mean... How long has he even been around? We don't know that. And that's why, when I was thinking of it through that scope and through that lens of this is a supernatural character... It's open-ended because you don't know exactly what he is. If he even is a he, you know, it's just, it could be a personification of this other entity. Yeah, it could be like a Pennywise type situation. Yeah, exactly. It could be, be a number of Mi- things. I mean, Michael Myers is partially supernatural we, that we don't Voorhees, know how. Voorhees we know as well. Through uh, some well, point. Voorhees we found out is a deadite, remember? Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Which actually does make those make a lot more sense. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) But it's still kind of in that mix, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's still those bag of tricks. I want to see more Art the Clown. As much as I shit on some parts of this movie, I think the character is amazing. I think the concept is fantastic. Yeah. And if they keep bringing me this inventive of kills, I will watch every one. Man, it really did surprise me when I was looking up some of the information on the special effects. I was like... There must have been, like, several people involved, but it was just Damon Leone and a couple of makeup artists, like, two oh. other makeup artists. Did you see what the actress that played Tara said about Leone on set? Apparently, he had a little bit of a breakdown on set making this movie. Wow. And she said that, like, on set, he would just be, like, on his phone, like, looking up pictures of hedgehogs. <laughs> Damn, that's weird. 
Ron and Jeremy? he just had like this. <laughs> I don't know. Like he was the writer, director. Yeah. He was involved in the yeah, effects. Yeah, so much to do like, with this project. Apparently, his mind was in some really weird place to make this, and I that's how he coped. So, all right. I mean, if it works for him, I mean, I just hope he coped <laughs> all the way. Well, like, likewise, like because I want to see more. Like, as much as I shit on parts of this movie, yeah. and I come away feeling just a little bit more positive than meh. Yeah, I'll put it this way: you're right. It very well could have been eh, like one of those is like ah, yeah, it was cool to watch, but me. This does have a lot of things that could further it as a franchise. It weirdly reminds me of Headless. Yeah, no doubt. I actually wrote one of my last notes in this was, Without Faces, We Are Free. Because mm-hmm. it did remind me of Headless. Yeah, which I didn't think we would I, run no, into exactly. another film that reminded me Even of Headless. Even some of the eye bits. Like, mm-hmm. there was a lot of eye gouging and eye stabbing and shit. So, I mean, that lends its hand right back to that film. Whether I intentional... I don't want anybody to necessarily explain Art the Clown unless no, you, you don't come have up to. unless you come up with some super super clever way. Well, but yeah. you do set up where he does give the same sort of injury a number of times over. Yeah. Like you said with sort of eye gouging and inspiring Victoria to sort of do the same thing. Yeah, you wonder too if he's passing on something to her. Well, and the end notes when, at the very end of the movie, when she f- turns around in the wheelchair and you realize that, She's the, the, that the beginning of the movie is actually the end of this movie. Yeah. And they do the black and white flash on her face. What you hear is the honk, honk, honk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You certainly do. So, and so it also implies that she's also, well, I mean, we see her kill the chick, but well, yeah. it implies that she's also now just fucked up, too. Like, well, no doubt. That's what it makes me think, too. Like, it's not so just the fact. Go. It's not just the fact that she went through this gruesome series of events, but something happened to her, like on that supernatural fringe. Well, and that's what makes me wonder if she's this way because of art. Does that mean she is also now supernatural? That's kind of what I'm wondering too. I kind of feel like perhaps that's kind probably of what I thought too. A like now argument she's for it. going to be her own persona, whatever yeah. that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a different incarnation of it could be that evil? spirit, evil, yeah, whatever, what have you. Killing just another, evil? yeah, just another personification of it. It makes for good storytelling because there are so many different directions you can go in. Whether you focus on her as a character or art as a character or whatever, the victims. I feel like what we're coming down to is that this is very, even for both of us, is it's kind of a polarizing movie because there's a few super dumb moments yeah, yeah. in between a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, and like so I know some of it has to do with budgetary, of course. Some of it is uh, just it's just what you run across when you run across independent films. It's like nothing's perfect, unfortunately, but. And it's just one of those things where, like, different strokes for different folks. Exactly, exactly. I mean, he's probably, in a lot of ways, showing his roots, you know, growing up watching 80s VHS slashers and trying to modernize it. And there's going to be some things, some tropes you have to use that are like, what the fuck? doesn't make sense logically, but after watching so many of these films, it's like, I understand why they use them. But you're right, it's one of those that can be very polarizing depending on whether or not you like these styles of films. I still stand by the fact, though, that if you are calorophobic... Oh, man. You're going to hate this, this film. This film is like horror kryptonite to you. Like, it would be. It'd be like almost your worst nightmare. This is the worst I've ever seen a clown on a film. 
the you most know, terrifying I've ever seen a clown on film. Yeah, man, I'd say arguably this is probably the worst characterization of a clown on film I've seen so far. Yeah, art takes the cake. Man, he does a good job. Like I said, kudos to David Thornton who plays the character. Good kudos Bob to everybody in the all. project. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I there's like I said there's a couple of parts where that was definitely one of them. I was like this motherfucker. <laughs> and the honking of the horn, that was another one. One thing I did like too, and I do like jazz a lot. There's a scene where he runs into <laughs> is it Victoria sort of trying to bop his head a lot. He's listening to a little bit of that free jazz in the truck. I was like, I like that. Actually, I like that a lot. <laughs> you know, it's just in one way, yeah, it's silly. For me, I like jazz, so it was like, yes. And then third is to add to the absurdity of that scene. Like, when did he have time to turn it to that shit in the first place? And who's playing that on the radio? <laughs> But overall, like I said, it's pretty easy film to follow. You know, what they do with it after this, it's, I guess it mattered to right people. Like, it has a lot of promise. If you're a gore hound and didn't know what this movie was going to be because of, yeah. like, what the images from it look like, Some killer fucking scenes. indulge yourself. Like, and some of them are even quick, but, like, the fucking good. the face stomped in was, that was really good. good. That was really and good. And then when you see what it looks like at the morgue, it's like... <clears throat> kind of pays off to you like oh damn he got fucked up yeah <laughs> even art blown his brains out and shit i was thinking oh fuck that's the end of him nope all of it's good man the kills are good i don't know it's just another one of those fun t- i didn't think it was gonna be a halloween film per se either i didn't think yeah i didn't know it had anything to do with halloween i didn't either i mean go fa- it's a horror movie like I mean, evil yeah, evil I mean, doesn't just occur on any normal day it occurs <laughs> on friday the 13th or one halloween. thing i noticed too is like a little bit in this film the few times they mention it they said it wrong. The Sam and Samhain. Oh, yeah. I Oh, I forgot to make a note of yeah. that. I, I didn't notice that, that too, myself. Because I we're nerds. Like, <laughs> I was like, God damn it. It's only Sam Hain when it's a goddamn band. Yeah. and I mean, it, it's understandable. It's a common mistake. No big deal. But as and we he viewers, wasn't talking about the band. <laughs> no, he was not. He was not talking about Glenn Danzig or any of those people. No, he was not. So, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's a little nerdy thing. No big deal. But, yeah, overall, fun film. Glad we decided to choose it. It's definitely one worth recommending for people who are looking for something on the independent side. Interesting little arcs. And the kill scenes are great. Practical effects, top notch. Yeah, I agree. Some eye candy. Yeah, that too. Although some of the the more eye candy-ish moments don't pay off. (laughs) No, no, but it's okay. You know, it is what it is. Yes, you get to see Don naked. No, you're not going to enjoy it. I will. (laughs) Well, maybe the first part of it. Yeah, well. Well. (laughs) Well. I mean, different strokes, baby. (laughs) Yeah, no, overall, like I said, it's a fun film. I can see why people talked about it. It can be very polarizing. I absolutely see why people talked about it. We don't have a plan for next week yet, do we? No, not yet. That's okay. We'll come up with that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And then... My trip? I was about to say, yeah, we're going to have... I'll have some shit about that, of course. Yeah, we'll just warn you guys ahead of time. We'll have next week, and then we'll be taking a break for a week. Yeah, so went like two weeks' time. There'll be a pause in between. Yeah, so there'll be a break in between. We'll warn you again next week as well. We already told you where to find us at the top of the episode. So 